Good morning. Good morning, Embrace. It is good to be together today. My name is John, and if I don't know you, I am the lead pastor here at the church, and I'm just really uh, excited to be here today, this morning, to share worship together. So, um, a few quick things before we get started. If you're visiting with us, we always have connect cards in the pews. We love when you all fill these out. It helps us stay uh, just connected with what's going on with you all. There's a place on the back where you can put prayer requests, uh, which we love when you all fill those out. Our prayer team faithfully lifts those up each week. Um, we do have donuts and coffee in the cafe. If you want that, um, feel free to go grab something. You can even bring it in here if you would like. Um, if you also need to step out of the sanctuary for any reason this morning, um, you're welcome to go into the cafe and the entire service is on the TV in there, and so you can follow along and feel like you're not missing out on anything. Um, if you have any questions or anything, just let me know. I would love to, to talk with you all. If you would like to give this morning and support um, our church financially, then you can do that in the boxes by the door here and the one in the back, and you can also give online. Um, I think that's all the quick announcements I have as we start out. So I'm going to invite you all to stand this morning as you're able and Laban and our worship team are going to get us started with our worship. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Let's join in this call to worship. Let's open our hearts and minds to what the Lord has for us this morning. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be.
Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us together in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We're going to transition to our gratitude and lament time. So you can turn to a neighbor around you and maybe share something from your life. It could be um, something like a praise or something good from the week. It could be something that's, that's difficult. But feel free to stretch yourself a little bit, share something with a neighbor, and then we'll continue our worship time here in a few minutes.
God, I invite you all to stand together. Let's continue our worship time. This is a new song uh, for, for us here at Embrace, but it's based on an old, old passage, Psalm, Psalm 23. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good reminder for all that we face in the world to not live with fear. Um, so yeah, it goes, goes something like this. I invite you to sing together as you get the hang of it. The Lord is our shepherd. He is always near. And though he leads to the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear. The Lord is our shepherd, and we will persevere. And though he leads to the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear. And everybody sing, hallelujah, you never left us. Hallelujah, you never left us. Hallelujah, you never left us. We will not fear. Hallelujah, you never left us. Hallelujah, you never left us. Hallelujah, you never left us. We will not fear. When our lives are filled with questions and our souls are restless, you're
This next song is kind of a call and response. Some questions and some answers. And so I invite you to sing with kind of the background singers over here on the response part.
y'all can have a seat. What we're going to do now is we're going to dismiss our kids uh, for their time of learning and wondering together in our wonder room. And so let's give our kids a hand as they come up to the front. The wonder room is available for kids uh, four years old all the way up to fifth grade. And so if you have a child who is in that range, then they are invited to go to the wonder room. If you're visiting this morning or your child has never been up to the wonder room, then we ask that you walk with them and make sure you introduce yourself to the leaders and make sure you have the correct paperwork filled out and everything. Uh, but yes, we're so grateful for our little ones. We continue to have more and more of them. It is wonderful. So I'd like to share a couple of announcements, one in particular I want to highlight for this morning. Um, when you come into the church on any given week, uh, we will have an announcement handout for you, and it also has a nice spot on the back if you'd like to take notes during the service on Sunday, um, you can do that as well, but I encourage you to read through these. We also send this out through email each week, and if you're not on that email list and you would like to be, um, then please let Rachel know and she can get you added to that email list. Um, but here in the announcements, I want to highlight just uh, a couple of these. The first one is really important. Um, our nursery uh, is experiencing kind of, we're in the middle of a staffing transition. So Chloe is our kind of the one who coordinates and organizes the nursery and is the lead person in there. Uh, Savannah was working with her and Savannah um, has moved on to other things and is not working in the nursery anymore. And we've been trying to hire someone uh, to fill that second role, and we've not had um, a whole lot of success yet. And so we're still looking for someone to take on that second staff position in the nursery. And so that is a very important need. And so if you have anybody in your network that is 18 or older who might be able to work in the nursery, they don't have to lead it. They just need to come alongside Chloe um, and help and assist her in that role, uh, that would be very helpful to spread uh, the word and let people know if you've got folks in your life, people who maybe provide child care for your own kids um, who would have interest in that, then please uh, spread the word. There's a job description on our website and you can find it there. Um, and then also the, the main thing I need to ask of you all is that we really need some more volunteers in our nursery. We are at a point where this is like pretty important um, if we're going to keep having the nursery each week. Um, we're going to need some more help in there. And so I encourage you all to really just consider if you could give just one uh, Sunday. Um, and, and basically, if we get enough people to sign up, then it would, only, it would probably be every like four to six weeks that you would have to be in there. And you can watch the service online if you miss it that week. You could even come on a Monday night. Um, because we have the same sermon. Monday nights are a lot of fun. So the week that you volunteer in the nursery, you could come on Monday and participate in the service then. But we're in need of a few more volunteers. And we need at least, at bare minimum, three to four new volunteers really in the next couple of weeks. Um, because as you can imagine, in order to have the nursery, we need to have enough volunteers in the nursery. And we're not going to have the nursery open if we don't have enough volunteers. And so um, I don't, often in nurseries, it's like the parents who always sign up to volunteer in the nursery because their kids are in there, and, and that's great. Like, I am supportive of parents helping in the nursery, um, though I would love for folks who maybe don't have kids who are nursery age to be willing to sign up to help in the nursery because it's a ministry to our little ones. Um, Kai is in there, and he loves it every week, 
um, and he has a blast. And so it's a ministry to the little ones, but it's also a ministry to the parents um, to provide nursery because it's a really wonderful opportunity just once a week for parents to be able to sit and enjoy church and not have to stress out about what their kid's doing. And even as parents are sitting in here, they're still thinking about their children in that nursery. But this helps to relieve a little bit of that stress because those of you who are parents of little ones know that it is exhausting and it is overwhelming and it just never stops. And so this is a way that you can bless um, our parents. We have a lot of little ones in our church and more are coming actually. There are, are folks who are expecting uh, in the next few months. And so this is only going to increase the need um, for folks to step in. And so... Um, I would love for as many of us as possible to say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to step up. And so um, there is a background check required, and you would also have to go through a training um, to assist in the nursery. Um, but if you're willing to do that, please um, email Rachel this week. It's rachel at embraceyourcity.com, um, and we will put you in touch with the right folks to get you in on the rotation. Um, there's this story in the, in the Gospels. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 10. And the disciples are there, and Jesus is there, and there are mothers, it says in the story, who are bringing their little ones to Jesus because they want Jesus to bless them. And, and so the disciples look at the situation, and it seems that they thought that Jesus had more important things to do than to spend time with the little ones and to bless these children. And Jesus actually, it says he rebukes his disciples. And that word is not strong enough. Um, the Greek is really powerful. He gives a very strong correction and rebuke to his disciples. And you know what he says? He says, let the little children come to me. And then Jesus invited the kids into his arms and he, he blessed them. And so I believe that Jesus would have been a nursery worker at a local church like ours and and so I really think that if you want to be like Jesus, then you need to volunteer in the nursery. Um, I'm not trying to manipulate you or anything, but I'm just trying to say that I do think that it is important, and, and it's a, a job that, that really, um, I believe, is the essence of what it means to follow Jesus. It's caring for our most vulnerable and precious ones among us. And so if you're willing to consider that, um, we haven't had to do a push like this in, in quite a while, um, but we're at a point now where we really need some, some new folks to step up. And so um, you can talk to me about it, um, and Rachel, Christina's out this week, but when she gets back, you can talk to her as well. Um, and so please uh, let us know if you're willing to do that. Um, also, um, another volunteer opportunity is Common Good is still in need of summer mentors for the summer program, and it runs from 1 to 5, Monday through Thursday. And so if you, this summer, you have some extra space in your schedule, maybe your work um, can allow you to take an afternoon to mentor. Um, you don't have to have any special skills to do it. Just have a love for young people. Um, there is a background check and a training required with that as well. Um, but if you're willing to be a mentor at Common Good, um, it starts uh, tomorrow, actually, the summer program. But it's not too late. You can still sign up, and they'll get you plugged in. And so there's information in the announcement sheet about how to get in touch with Noran, if you are willing and interested to get involved with that. And then finally, um, we are going to be doing this book uh, discussion that we talked about last week, and it's been in the announcements for a couple weeks, so I won't say a whole lot about it. Um, but we're going to be continuing on in this learning process and conversation around um, how we can best love and support um, our LGBTQ neighbors here in our community and beyond. And so 
Um, we're going to be reading a book together that's really looking at Scripture, because a lot of you all expressed in the survey uh, that we took at our church that you want to learn more, and you want to dig in and have those conversations. And so um, it's not a requirement that everybody agrees with one another, because if that was the case, then we couldn't have the study, because there's no way that a group of this size, everybody's going to agree on everything. Um, but we're going to have a, we're going to try to facilitate a really safe um, and welcoming space so that people can share and talk about kind of what they've been taught growing up and kind of what their questions are now and kind of how we can maybe look at the scriptures with some fresh eyes. And so we're going to be reading a book together called Scripture Ethics and the Possibility of Same-Sex Relationships by an author named Karen Keene. And I'm really excited to get into this with you all. And so we're going to meet on June 25th to talk about the first half of the book. And then we're going to meet on July 23rd to talk about the second half of the book. And so if you're interested, I'd love for you to sign up. I'd hoped to have more books this morning, but they did not come in. So I'm so sorry. Amazon failed us uh, for today. And so if you would like a book soon and want to get started on reading, I would encourage you just to order it yourself if you can. Um, or you can wait, and I will have them by next Sunday. I can pretty much guarantee that. Um, but um, we just don't have them today, so I do apologize for that. And I think those are all the big announcements I have for this week. And so we are going to enter into a time of prayer. And I want to have a special focus for our time of prayer this morning. Um, part of our time, I want to pray for some folks who are going to be embarking on new adventures in their lives. And so if you may not know these folks, but Grant and Caroline and Walt Clayton uh, are, this is their last Sunday. Can you all wave? Uh, Grant and Caroline are, are right there. And this is going to be their last Sunday at Embrace because they're moving to St. Louis. Um, Grant got a job there at a university. And with his type of work, you got to go where the jobs are. And so they're very sad to be leaving um, this church. Grant um, has served on the lead team, uh, which you may know over the last uh, um, bit with us in this season we've been in of discernment. And he's been a wonderful asset to our team. Caroline has been involved in leadership and serving in many different ways as well. And uh, Walt has brought a lot of joy to our church. Um, he is an independent, uh, free spirit, and he is a lot of fun to be around. Um, he's in the nursery, I'm sure, right now. Uh, so, yes. Uh, okay, Dan says that they're commuting back for Sunday services from St. Louis, so uh, I will not hold my breath on that one. <laughs> Um, but I do want to lift them up in prayer this morning during our prayer time as they embark on this new adventure. Um, you know, one thing about Embrace is, you know, we're a fairly transient church. We have people who are here from a season and move on uh, to new places and new exciting things. And, and we've got folks who have been a part of Embrace for a season who are in many different cities and states and even countries across our world. And the beautiful thing about Embrace is, I don't know what it is, there's just this special energy here where people always carry something from Embrace with them. And, and I know that Grant and Caroline and Walt have been impacted by our church and changed in many ways, and, and they're going to take a piece of that with them and, and be able to take some of Embrace to wherever they're going. And so it's a really beautiful thing when that happens. Um, I also want to be praying this week um, and in the upcoming weeks for Isaac and Shiori and Eileen and Inna. Um, they are going to be going on a, an adventure. Not, they're coming back. Uh, they're just going on a... How long is it going to be, Isaac? Three weeks. They're going to be traveling to Japan, and so they haven't uh, been able to go back for a bit now, and they're really excited to go back and see family and friends and spend some time there. It is a very long journey, 
and they are, have been asking the prayer team to continue to lift them up in prayer, and I'd like for us to pray for them as they embark on this big adventure uh, to fly with the whole family to the other side of the world. And so we'll be praying for them, and we can also be just mindful of other folks who are traveling and, and doing new things in this season because it's exciting, but there's a lot of anxiety and just worries and stress associated with that. And so I'm going to kneel at the altar and I'll give us some space just to be quiet. Then I'll lift up these folks in prayer. And then we'll close by saying the Lord's Prayer together. If you'd like to kneel with me at the altar, come on up. And you can do that. encourage you now just to focus on your breathing. Just breathe in. And breathe out. God's Spirit is present to us, moving in us and around us, much like the air that we breathe. Almighty God, creator of the universe, the one who holds it all together, our friend, our support, the one who walks with us through the hard and the good times one who even falls down beside us when we feel like we have nothing left and stays with us there in our moments of pain and grief and suffering. The one who is with us in our doubts and our confusion. God who teaches us, who guides us, who challenges us, who provokes us even and cares enough to mentor us and guide us on the path of goodness and righteousness and justice. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? Who are we that you would care for us? Who are we that you would die even so that we might be able to live? Lord, words cannot express how Grateful we are for all that you do for us, for all that you have done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. You are the God who is so powerful and majestic and awe-inspiring, yet is there with us, who is our friend, who 
is in solidarity with all who are suffering and struggling in this world. God, it is our honor to give you praise today, to lift up your name, and to declare that you are good. We pray today that you would lift us up. You would help us to see the bigger picture, to borrow your eyes, to to see ourselves and one another in our beautiful world that we live in the way you do. We pray, Lord, that you would break our hearts for those things that break yours, and that we would experience joy and celebration over the things that bring you joy and celebration. We pray we could be about you and your work and your business in this world. Lord, we need you. Lord, this morning on our hearts are some folks that we love who are embarking on some significant journeys. And you're God on the move and disciples are often people on the move as well. And so we know, Lord, that you go with us and you travel with us and you journey with us as we go from place to place and as we're led and drawn into new directions and new opportunities. And Lord, I just pray For the Claytons this morning, I just pray, Lord, that you would wrap them in your love and in your care, that you would give them courage as they embark on this new adventure to a much different place, a different city, a different environment, different work, an opportunity to meet new friends and connect with a new church family, that you would just be with them this week as they prepare, that you would give them peace of mind, that You would help their family to stick close together even in the midst of the stress and the chaos and the planning and packing and traveling and that they would just be able to keep you on the forefront of their hearts and minds as they begin this new journey to St. Louis. We pray you would go ahead and continue, Lord, to prepare a place for them, that they would feel welcomed when they get there, and that they would feel a sense of home because they are with you there as well. We pray you would open doors for new friends and a new church and um, all the things that that they're going to need and and want as they get there. And we just pray you would wrap them in your care. And Lord, we also pray that you would help us to stay bonded and connected through your spirit and help us to know, Lord, that though we may be far apart, uh, we are still connected and we are still together and that, Lord, we are still part of the same family. Lord, we also pray for Isaac and for Shiori and Inna and Ailey as they embark on this big adventure across the world to Japan. We just pray you would prepare their path, that you would help all the logistics and details to work out, that you would take away any anxieties or stresses, and that they would just have joy and excitement in their heart. We pray you would give them ministry opportunities to love and support people and and to just share the goodness of Jesus. Um, We pray, Lord, that you would uh, wrap your arms around them and that all the logistics and all the things of travel would be taken care of and that they would return um, back here to to this home uh, safely as they come back to embrace in a few weeks. Um, Be with them in this time. Lord, we pray for all those who are going through transitions right now, uh, whether it be our graduates who have graduated from high school and college and master's programs and PhDs and, and all the the different levels of education, our our fifth graders, our eighth graders, our 
um, kindergartners, all these folks, Lord, that you would be with them as they move on and transition to new opportunities and new adventures in their lives, and that you would help them to have boldness and courage as they kind of enter a new chapter. We pray this summer could be a time of rest and preparation um, and, and just a lot of fun and safety uh, for our young ones. Um, we pray for everybody else who is just on this journey together that we would just experience your love and presence and that we would know that you are with us through it all. Now we join together and pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So today we are embarking on a new journey together. A fairly ambitious, and I have to warn you, a possibly dangerous journey. We will all need to be prepared because it will likely be challenging, possibly mind-bending, and maybe even life-changing. This journey might bring up memories from your past, some good and maybe some not so good. This journey might upset our basic understandings of life and death and heaven and hell and good and evil. And I don't want to go on this journey alone, so will you all go with me? don't even know what it is, and I got a yes. <laughs> I imagine some of you might want to know what this perilous, challenging, and difficult journey is. What is this journey that I speak of? Well, we are going to study the book of Romans in the Bible. <laughs> if you thought First Peter was challenging, then you might want to prepare yourself for Romans. <laughs> I took a seminary course at Asbury on the book of Romans, and I still did not understand it when I was done with the seminary course. And I even got an A, and I did not have any idea what Romans was about. <laughs> I was at the Kentucky uh, Annual Conference for the United Methodist uh, this past week, and I told a few pastors that we were going to begin a, a long series on the book of Romans. And every single one of them looked at me and said, really? They all seemed concerned for me, perhaps thinking I'm making a big mistake. Maybe I am making a mistake, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I, I don't think so. Honestly, I've never really liked the book of Romans, just to be honest with you. And just that fact is enough reason for me to want to study it. In the past, I've found that when I dislike certain books of the Bible, it's not really because there's something wrong with the book in the Bible, it's because I lack understanding of the book in the Bible. First Peter was an example of a book that I didn't really like all that much until I studied it, and I've grown to love First Peter because I feel like I get it a little more. I understand why Peter wrote that particular letter. Perhaps if we gain some more understanding of Romans, uh, we may grow to appreciate it more. I'll tell you one of the reasons I, I've never really liked the book of Romans all that much is because I have some history with this book. Any of y'all got history with the book of Romans in the Bible? I got some hands that went up very quickly, very quickly. Uh, some of y'all may not. That's great. You don't need to. I don't want y'all to have a bad history with Romans. Uh, but I've got some history there. 
Um, I've shared this before with some of you all, but I'll share a quick story with you of one of my experiences with Romans. When I was in college, I volunteered to be an altar minister at the Ichthus Music Festival uh, that was out in Wilmore. Now, the altar ministers basically would pray with folks um, after the altar calls at the, the night, like nightly speakers that they would have. And you would be in a tent, and, and there would be a long flood of people that would come to get prayer after they heard the message. And so I wanted a free ticket to Ichthus, uh, and altar ministers got a free ticket, and I also wanted to share Jesus with people, so it was a win-win for me, right? Um, and so the only requirement was that we attend a training, and it was at Asbury Seminary, and, and we attended an altar minister training before the festival started. Now, the bulk of the training was focused on kind of how they thought we should lead someone to Christ. Now, I was not the kind of person growing up that would just go tell somebody about Jesus. I wasn't like someone who witnessed a lot or I remember in college they had this thing where you would go out and you'd do like street witnessing and you would just go talk to random people on the street about Jesus. Never participated. I went once and I just walked around the whole time by myself and didn't talk to anybody because I was like kind of terrified by the thought of that. What would I say, right? Would it be awkward? I actually thought, am I like cool enough? Uh, well, people think I'm cool enough and want to know Jesus because I'm cool. Like, it's so backwards thinking, right? That's not how we ought to think. But these are the questions I had, and they worried me. And so the training made me feel a lot better because apparently there was a formula for getting someone saved, and it was all found in the book of Romans, apparently. So the formula for getting someone saved that they were focused on has become known as the Romans' road to salvation. Have y'all heard of this? It's clever because the Romans were known for their roads, you know, and so it's like the Romans' road to salvation. It's really good. Um, but the basic gist of it is this. All have sinned. You know, there's that passage, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. The penalty for sin is death. It says the wages of sin is death. Christ died while sinless taking on our punishment on himself. And so if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior with your mouth, that he died for your sins, then you're going to inherit eternal life and not death. You won't get that punishment that you deserve. Now, I was taking good notes at the training, and I left the room a little nervous, but I was excited at the thought that I could play a role in saving someone from hell and leading them to eternal life with Jesus. I was ready to walk that Romans road with anybody who showed up at that tent. So Ichthus finally arrived. I heard some good music uh, that day at the festival, and then evening came. And I was scheduled that night um, to be an altar minister when this guy named Louis Giglio was speaking. Do you all know who this guy is? He was part of, like, the passion worship movement. Um, and I'll tell you, he is a really good speaker, like, really good speaker. And amazing preacher. I mean, that night, I was impacted by his message. He made following Jesus sound really compelling to me. Um, and I was already a Christian, but I was very impacted by it. His message, I remember part of his message. It was about the Apostle Paul, actually, who wrote the book of Romans. And he spoke about Paul's just radical commitment to the gospel. And he talked about all the trials and, and difficulties and suffering and persecution that Paul faced. And he showed us that, that 
Paul still went through it and had this purpose and meaning and courage in his life. And I never had a lot of courage in my life growing up, and so it inspired me and challenged me to want to be like Paul and follow closely after Jesus in this way. And so at the end of the message, he invited everyone who wanted to follow Jesus uh, to go to the prayer tent and surrender their lives to the way of Christ. It was a really wonderful message. And I, I got, uh, so I had to leave a little early. I went to the tent, and I was waiting there, and I saw a massive line of people coming back to the tent. And I was getting nervous because I'm like, oh, okay, here, this is getting real. I'm like, I'm trying to remember. I'm looking through Romans 3. I started there and was reading the Romans Road thing. Like, am I going to be able to do this? Now, all these people came. And I, as my turn came, I was assigned to pray with a young man that was about my age. He was a college kid, and he had responded to what I believe was the spirit stirring in his heart. I saw it, and I felt it when he came and spoke to me. He shared with me that he just wanted purpose in his life. He, wanted, he, he saw that this way of Jesus was a way that would lead to peace and life and meaning in his life, and he wanted that as a part of his life now. He wanted to follow Jesus. So I opened my book, uh, my Bible, to Romans 3, and I said, all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. I told him that the wages of sin is death, and then I talked about this great chasm between him and God, and Jesus built a bridge that's going to connect him to God, and, and now he doesn't have to go to hell anymore, but he can go to heaven if he just prays the sinner's prayer, and I literally, I said, all right, bow your head and pray after me, and I said a line, he would say a line, and he wasn't really into it, and, and we were praying this prayer together, and all sounds good, right, you know, um, but I noticed as I was going through this with him, that it was not connecting with him at all. Like there was a disconnect happening, a major disconnect. When we prayed the prayer, like he barely said what I said out. I mean, I was so nervous and like stressed because I'm like, this isn't working. I was given the formula and it's not working. What is happening here? And after he left, I, I honestly, I felt defeated. And, and I, I think I signed up for the next day. I just didn't go. Um, because I just felt so bad, like, that, like this isn't working, and I felt like I'd messed up everything, and I wasn't sure why. Now, as I've reflected back on that experience, there's, there was a lot of layers of stuff going on with that kind of way of kind of leading people to follow Jesus, but as I've reflected on it, I think I have a little insight about what might have been going on there. This young man came to the tent, and he wanted to follow Jesus now in this life. He wanted meaning and purpose now, in this life, in the here and now. And all I did was offer him a way to get out of hell and go to heaven. He was searching for a gospel that had power for this life, and I only offered him a gospel that assured him of an afterlife. And it just did not connect. This is the main reason I've never liked Romans, because I've always assumed that Romans is just how I, as a individual can find personal salvation and get into hell. It's kind of like how you do the thing so you can be saved from going to hell and you can have this assurance that you're with Jesus forever in heaven. The Romans road to salvation has never been very appealing to me because I'm concerned more with how the gospel impacts the here and now. Eternity is great and I'm excited for it and that gives me some peace thinking about death even though I'm still scared of death, right? But I have some peace about that because I, I do believe that there's something beyond this. 
But really, I'm, I'm trying to live in this world now because i got to live now. And Jesus seemed to say over and over and over again that the gospel has power for now in this life. And that we're called to live in a certain kind of way now in this life. And so given my history with Romans, when I saw that the lectionary spends many weeks in Romans this summer, I figured it might be a good idea for us to spend some time studying this book. This is how I like to approach preaching. If there's something I need to dig into, then I'm like, well, let's just do it, right? And hopefully y'all are willing to go on that journey. Um, and also think about if y'all are having questions, and this comes up all the time. Um, people talk about this kind of how we can rethink a little bit of what the gospel really is. That's part of the reason we read that Lisa Sharon Harper book a few months ago. And, and so I thought this would be a really good moment for us to dig into this book of Romans. And I've always had the suspicion that I'm reading this book wrong, that I'm misunderstanding Paul's message. Maybe Romans isn't really supposed to be a systematic theology of how to find personal salvation from sin and death. Perhaps something else is going on here. Now let me remind you about something I said many times over the last couple of years. When we read the New Testament letters, and Romans is a letter, we are reading somebody else's mail. Romans is a letter written by someone, and it's widely believed and accepted it was the Apostle Paul, and it's written to a particular group of people for a particular purpose. His original intent was not to write a letter that's going to be read by people all over the world for 2,000 years. He was addressing specific concerns in an actual community. So, who was Paul writing to? Well, we're going to get into this a lot over the next few weeks, but I want to tell you just a little bit about that as we ease into this sermon series. Paul was writing to Christians in Rome, which hence the name Romans, right? He was writing to Christians in Rome, and that was the heart of the Roman Empire. Paul had never been to the city of Rome. In fact, he wanted to travel to Rome, but was never able to make it there. Some of these Christians in Rome were people that Paul knew actually personally, and he loved them deeply but was not able to visit them. Many people across our world have family here in the United States or in other countries and are not able to travel to see them because of personal limitations or laws or safety concerns. And Paul was in a similar spot. He just couldn't get there. In Rome, there were a few house churches in Rome that were led by some women and men who were Christians, Jesus' people in Rome. In chapter 16, at the very end, Paul sends greetings to a long list of people. And, he, and, he, and he talk, a lot of these folks were people who were leading these particular house churches. It's estimated that there were around eight house churches in Rome. All right, we're talking about the capital city of the Roman Empire. There were eight, roughly, house churches in Rome. Now, I'd always assumed that there were lots of Christians in Rome when Paul wrote this letter. But the reality is that Christianity was very small and very new. There were very few Christians in Rome. A house church would meet in a family home. They would likely have an area. It could have been kind of like a porch area or a home in their, or room in their house that could hold no more than about 30 people max. So if we have eight churches in Rome that can hold about 25 to 30 people, we're talking only about 200 or so Christians in Rome. That's not a lot of people, right? That's it. 
This was a small, marginal, powerless group of people. Romans was a letter that would have been read publicly in each of these house churches. And they would have likely been thrilled to have a letter from Paul. Because they knew who Paul was. These houses were very small, these house churches. But they were also extremely diverse. This is something that we often don't pick up when we're reading the book of Romans. At the end of Romans, I mentioned we read this list of names that Paul gives greetings to. And these are people that Paul wants to, he wants to call them out and give them a special greeting. They probably felt really special that Paul mentions their names. When they're hearing this letter read in their church, they're like, what? Dude, mention my name? This is so cool. And Paul reads this letter of names. And these churches in Rome, all these names were Greek names. There were Roman names. There were Jewish names in this list. And, and this means that these churches in Rome consisted of Greeks and Romans and Jews who followed Jesus. These churches were very ethnically diverse, but they were also diverse in other ways. They were comprised of people from all different socioeconomic classes. You would have had slaves in these churches, and you might even had some masters. You would have had foreigners. You would have had wealthy people. You would have had people who were very poor and day laborers who were just fighting each day to survive. You would have men and women and children. These house churches in Rome were very diverse. And I'll tell you, diverse communities are beautiful, yet they are very, very challenging. One issue with diverse communities is it's really hard um, and very difficult to stay unified. Because when people are different, it's harder to get along. It's harder to see eye to eye. It's harder to find common ground. It's much easier to find unity in uniformity. But to find unity in the midst of diversity is actually really hard. Yet I believe that's what Jesus has called us to. That's what the church ought to be, finding unity in diversity. If we ask communities and people, when you come here, just to assimilate and be like everybody else and try to be the same, Unity is easier if we all try to just be the same as one another. But our faith teaches us to celebrate our differences, to celebrate our uniqueness, and seek to find unity while we maintain our diversity. We talked a little bit about this on Pentecost. These churches in Rome would have faced challenges just because they were all so different. There were power dynamics at play because there were people in these churches who were used to having lots of power, and there were people who were powerless and had no power in these churches. Yet the gospel said everybody was equal. This would have created challenges. There were people that had ethnic differences. There was gender diversity. There were people who had resources. There were some who didn't have resources. And they believed in equality and mutuality and sharing leadership responsibilities, sharing decision making. You can just imagine that this would create challenges. How are we going to come together and find a common purpose and a common mission? There were even different religious beliefs and spiritual practices in these churches. There were Jews who interpreted their Jewish scriptures differently from one another. There wasn't even a shared understanding of morality and ethics. What is ethical and what is not? There were so many factors at play that made staying unified very difficult. Finding unity and diversity is really challenging. But in this particular time in Rome, these churches were facing a specific unique challenge that made it even harder for them to stay unified. In AD 49, Emperor Claudius issued an edict 
that expelled the Jews from Rome. And so they were kicked out of the Roman uh, capital there. And it was because, uh, some, some texts say that it was because of their fighting about one Christus, it says. And many scholars believe that it was meant to say Christus, talking about Jesus Christ. It's commonly believed that Claudius was referring to this debate that the Jews and arguments they were having about Jesus and whether or not he was the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And so Claudius expelled them from the city. This is mentioned actually in Acts 18.2. Priscilla and Aquila were two early church leaders that actually were among that group of Jews that were expelled from Rome. So the Jews were gone from Rome for about five years. They were basically deported from Rome and forced to live in other places for around five years. So imagine if all the Jews leave these churches. During that time, the churches in Rome became largely run by the Gentiles. These would have been Romans and Greeks mainly, and there could have been other folks that the Romans labeled as barbarians that lived in other parts of the Roman Empire who were then leading these churches. So Gentiles were assuming leadership and the responsibility of caring for these churches. They probably started meeting in more Gentile homes at that point. But when Claudius died, the Jews were then allowed to go back to Rome. And so some Jews who followed Jesus, it's believed, returned to Rome and joined back up with their house churches. Now, I imagine when they got back, these churches looked a lot different from when they were there five years before, right? They were in Gentile homes, largely comprised of Gentile Christians, and they likely didn't know the Jewish scriptures. They ate non-Jewish or non-kosher foods. They lived lives that looked very different from the Jews. Also, these returning Jews were returning likely with very little resources. And they were in a desperate spot and struggling. And here they show up in town. Hey, we're back. And we're trying to jump back into life with our house church that we had been a part of. Now, it appears that Paul's, one of Paul's main goals, maybe even his primary goal in Romans, was to help these churches find unity and solidarity in the midst of this just wild diversity that they had in their congregations. Paul wanted them to find common ground, to make sacrifices for each other, to compromise with one another, to practice humility, and to be kind, to seek equity and justice so that everybody has enough in their churches, to ensure that nobody was left out or left behind. And my belief as I've begun studying this is that All the theology that you read in chapters 1 through 11, that all of it is meant to reinforce that unity and help these young Christians learn to accept each other and work together to bring peace to their communities in Rome. They were concerned not just with their local churches, but how can we even be a witness to what Jesus has done beyond our little tiny churches that they were leading. I don't think this... Roman series could come, honestly, at a better time. I think we are at the perfect moment in the life of our church to be digging into Romans. As our church continues to seriously consider how we can best and in love LGBTQ people, we are going to disagree and we're going to struggle to find common ground. But I think Romans can perhaps help us navigate the challenges we face and fight for one another and really try to stay connected and unified in the midst of diversity in our church. 
I just got back from my annual conference for the United Methodist Church here in Kentucky. And, and since 2019, when this whole process was introduced of disaffiliation, we're having about half of our churches in Kentucky have left the denomination. And we were there, and it was really painful to see so many names read and see the pastors and the lay leaders in these churches. Um, it was a really challenging uh, conference to be at. I think Paul's message of unity is important for us as we grieve uh, the division, and we also dream of what the next season of our life together as United Methodists in Kentucky can look like over many different decades to come. Our society, I don't even need to say this, but our society is like becoming so divided and fractured and separated, and, and it's, it's, it's like become so unhealthy and so damaging, and it's, I'm sure that Jesus is just weeping over the division that we have in our world. The vulnerable are being trampled on and ignored, while the powerful are becoming more violent and more intolerant. And I think Romans can help us discern how we might come together and try to find common ground with each other and work towards peace, work towards the common good of our communities in which we live and work and spend our lives each and every day. Then I, I probably don't even need to say this, but I just want to acknowledge that so many of us as individuals are feeling lonely, we're feeling isolated, we're feeling distant from our friends and from our families, we're struggling to feel at home in our nation, in our city, in our families, in our churches, and I believe Romans can help us discern how we might find a home in Jesus and community with each other. I'm really excited about this series, and I hope you are excited too. Um, it's probably going to go on upwards of 15 weeks. I haven't decided exactly how we're going to do it yet, um, but we're going to figure that out. Um, but I'm really excited about it, and, and I hope that we can have some really just good conversation. My hope is, too, we can just come together even more, and that, that our bond and our connection and our unity with one another can be strong because it's really hard, and we're going to have to keep fighting for this um, as we try to live our lives together in this really challenging world that we live in. And so uh, are y'all willing to go on the journey uh, uh, with me? All right, all right. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to share communion this morning. And, you know, one thing I love about communion, communion has multiple names. We call it Holy Communion mostly at our church but it also is often called the Lord's Supper. It's called um, the Eucharist in some traditions. And I love the idea of the name of communion because it highlights the unifying nature of this practice we do each week. Um, I love that now we're able to come forward and line up and come forward together because just the image of all of us coming down, receiving the same bread, the same juice from the same loaf, the same cup, all of us in need of Jesus and his grace and his love. No one who comes forward is better than anybody else and no one is worse than anybody else because we all come forward the same, needing what Jesus has to offer. We all come forward as unique, beautiful people that God has created in our own unique way, but we all come together in unity because Jesus brings us together as one. So Holy Communion unites us with Jesus but it also unites us with one another. And there's a bonding thing that happens through this practice that we have each and every week. And so this week, as you come forward, I just want you all to lean into that reality. 
I could talk about something different about communion every single week because it's so multifaceted and layered. But I encourage you as you come forward today to really think about that unity and that bond that we have in Jesus. Because what Jesus has done for us and, and that he's inviting us all to join him in his work to see this world redeemed and restored. And so if y'all bow your heads with me just for a moment. God, thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. God, we pray that we could be people who truly do uh, fight for one another, that we hold on to one another, that we make sacrifices for each other. People who are willing to uh, do the work we need to do in our own spirits, in our own hearts, in our own minds, and work on ourselves so that we can truly love one another well. I pray, Lord, that we would be people who seek not a cheap unity, but a, a costly unity. <laughs> a unity that's joined with, with true repentance and, and, and righting wrongs that we've done to each other, making sacrifices for one another. That we would seek a reconciliation that is not a cheap reconciliation, but one that is paved, uh, the, 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 the path of, of, of love and unity that is paved in sacrifice and giving to one another. I pray we would take our example from you and what you did for us when you lived your life here on earth and what you did for us on the cross and also from the witness and the examples of the early church and the ways they get it right and the ways they get it wrong and all the counsel and wisdom we see in these letters like Romans that we're going to study over the next few weeks. Lord, we need you so much. I pray you pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and juice, that it would be for us the body and blood of Christ. Fill us up this morning in a fresh way and bond us together through your spirit in a way that we cannot achieve on our own strength and effort. Help us, Lord, to receive that gift. Be willing to trust you as we embark on this next adventure together over the next few weeks. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen. I'm going to invite those who are helping me serve communion to come on up.
was entrusted to our hands. We chose a stance of pride. A broken communion became our way of life. Brother hating brother, we've drawn a battle line. Father, heal
us one. And if we're a family, make us one. And heal all the pain that we have caused. And so the world will know your love. As the Father, Spirit, Son, distinct in their being, sing us one. Thank you all for being here today. Y'all may not know, but that, that song they just sang was actually written by some folks here at Embrace. They got together for a songwriting workshop a few years ago, and, and it's been a song that's meant a lot to us. I had some visitors from Australia come here, and they came to the gathering on a Monday night, and we sang that song, and they said, I've not heard hardly any songs about Christian unity, uh, which is kind of sad, because that's a big, a big theme uh, in our entire New Testament. And so... Um, I'm just so grateful that a song that expresses a lot of who we are uh, has kind of risen up uh, from our people. Um, yeah, publish it. Yeah, I don't even know how to do that, but you can talk to Laban about that. He knows a little bit about those things. Uh, yeah. It's not out there. You won't find it. You won't find it. Only on our uh, mediocre live stream we have here at Embrace. So, um, if you all, before y'all leave, um, before the benediction, if you remember the nursery announcement, if you're willing to help serve in the nursery, please, uh, if you can talk to us this morning or send that email this week, that would be great. But I encourage you to pray about it and consider it. Um, if y'all prepare your hearts for the benediction, may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.